2: Hello, and welcome to the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel and this program, Autism One, A Conversation of Hope, for Tuesday, December 20th. I'm your host, Terry Aranga, here with my guests, Kim Gould and Dr. Andrew Usman. Kim Gould is the pharmacist in charge at Pure Compounding Pharmacy, an innovative green pharmacy located in Naperville, Illinois. Kim's specialty area of pharmacy practice includes compounding prescriptions for ADD, ADHD, and ASD. Dr. Andrew Usman is the medical director of True Health Medical Center in Naperville, Illinois. Our topic today is current trends in ADHD, ADD interventions. Welcome Dr. Usman. Welcome Kim. Thank you. Thank you, Terry. Let's start off with some background information. What are attention deficit hyperactivity disorder or ADHD and attention deficit disorder or ADD? Well, just
3: like the name sounds, ADD, Attention Deficit Hyperactivity Disorder, the um, patients who ha- are diagnosed with this have problems with attention, of course. Um, things like focus, concentration, they have trouble organizing themselves, planning. They're easily distracted, sometimes impulsive, um Um, They may have some trouble with some executive function even and um, um, kind of tend to be a little bit more logical and less abstract. And then the ADHD component or the hyperactivity component, some of those patients are actually physically hyperactive. Um, So ADD, ADHD is considered a chronic disorder. Um, It's a neurological disorder. Um, and it is a metabolic or biological disorder, and it is really affecting a lot of us these days. Almost 5% of children are diagnosed with ADD. That's one out of 20, and, um, you know, it's a big, big strain on our schools, and we're really looking to see what's going on with this.
2: Now, you mentioned executive function, and some listeners may not know what you mean by that.
3: Um, Executive function is just higher-level thinking, thinking about kind of the nuances of things, the social nuances, um, taking it to a different level of understanding um, emotions, understanding abstraction, comprehending words. Um, And it can be a problem in patients with ADD.
2: Wow, so you're combining uh, a lack of understanding with a propensity for impulsivity. That doesn't sound like a good combination. Well, what do you think causes these conditions? Well, you know, that's
3: a great question because, you know, we have drugs to somehow treat this condition or this diagnosis, but we really don't understand what's causing it. So right now we're treating these things symptomatically, The theory is that there might be some type of genetic underpinnings. However, like with autism, there is an epidemic of this. Um, I don't know if you remember in your classroom if there are a lot of kids with ADD or ADHD needing to go to the school nurse for medications at lunchtime, but I really don't remember a lot of that um, growing up when I was a kid. So it can't be purely genetic, there must be some other kind of environmental um, issue going on, just like in our, our patients with autism. And um, we also believe that there's some kind of metabolic issues going on with neurotransmitters and such.
2: Now, when I went to school, Dr. Usman Elementary School, junior high, even high school, I don't remember any kids going to the school nurse's office for medications. The nurse was like the Maytag repairman. So yeah. uh no, and I don't remember a class, you know, full of Jack in the Boxes jumping up and down from the chair, either.
1: So, no, I agree.
2: Uh, was that was that Dr. Usman or Kim? That was me.
4: And this that, is Dr. Usman.
2: And what about you, Kim? What do you well, remember?
4: Oh, I agree. I don't remember children uh, being sent to the nurse's office, but I do recall my own children who are. In their teens and twenties now, going on field trips and having to um, have the parents make sure that they knew which kids needed medication, and it was the numbers were really quite high. And so, is it more of a socially accepted awareness now, where it wasn't previously, um, w- along with the increased incidence? Um, it's hard to say, but I know that uh, we're seeing more and more kids with problems.
2: Well, at least. Uh you've illuminated the change uh, between the generations that Dr. Usman and I were talking about and then the generation that you were referring to. So, um, Dr. Usman, you were talking about ADD and then mentioning autism spectrum disorder or ASD. So are these considered, are ADHD and ADD considered subsets of autism spectrum disorder, something else, or are they comorbid, morbid, meaning do they occur together with autism?
3: Again, Terry, I don't think anybody knows the answer to that question. Um, Right now, in diagnosing this in the DSM-type criteria, um, ADD is a separate type of diagnosis. It's not considered um, part of the autism spectrum um, from that realm. But 40 to 80% of children with um, who are diagnosed with ASD have um, attention deficit hyperactivity type symptoms um, the symptoms that we talked about and so the question is do these kids with ASD actually have the same type of neurobiological issue that kids with ADD have or do they have the same symptoms for different reasons
2: okay so does anybody know any of the underlying physiological mechanisms in ADHD? You, you mentioned that we have some uh, prescriptions that will treat them, but um, does anybody know what the under, underpinnings are?
3: Well, again, there are a few studies that show that in patients who are diagnosed with ADD or ADHD, they have a lack of blood flow to the frontal lobes of the brain, and remember that question you had about pragmatic function? The frontal lobes are an executive function. The frontal lobes of the brain are, um, are supposed to help us with that type of functioning. So this lack of blood flow to the, the frontal lobes may account for a lot of these um, symptoms that cause the inability to comprehend at higher levels. Um, They've also found abnormalities in neurotransmitters in patients with ADD, Um, in particular the neurotransmitters norepinephrine and dopamine. They found high levels of norepinephrine and epinephrine in the urine of patients with ADD. And so, again, there's this theory of too much excitation with these excitatory brain chemicals and not enough inhibition or calming with more of the calming neurotransmitters
2: okay very good so we know that there's something legitimately physiologically uh, going on and it's you know not just a, a naughty child or a, a, an inept parent or something like that so for whatever reasons um, you've mentioned you know metabolics earlier are there also any nutritional underpinnings or sensitivities?
3: You know, that's a great question because as parents, we have this idea, you know, if my kid eats sugar, they act hyper. Or if my kid eats um, foods with additives and preservatives, they behave differently. And some of our patients, like on the autism spectrum, when we give them foods like dairy and gluten, um, their behavior might change. And we hear that from parents a lot. But they've just started to do some studies on this, which I'm I'm really excited about, and we're going to talk about. Um, there have been studies on dietary interventions, um, elimination diets, that have helped children, um, and there have been studies on um, additives in foods that can cause hyperactivity, um, as well as pesticides. So there are some underlying. Metabolic and nutritional issues that um, are starting to, we're starting to kind of see um, the bigger picture in this.
2: Okay. And if, and, you know, I would just uh, uh, suggest to parents that if anybody criticizes you for, you know, thinking that diet really does have something to do with behavior, just point out to people that what happens if Uncle Dwayne drinks too much eggnog at Christmas? just goes into the mouth, down to the gut, and up to the brain and, you know, maybe out to the behavior. So uh, let's talk about pesticides. Are, is that an, an... I've heard about that in the news. Is that an environmental reason? Are there other environmental
4: reasons uh, that are connected with ADHD? Sure, and I can probably answer that. Um, there's a lot of studies out recently that are showing that kids with ADD have higher levels of pesticides. Um, and some of those pesticides can be from industrial waste. Um, there's a lot of current studies about metabolite DDT, and um, there was one recently reported about a um, town in New Bedford that had a harbor filled with this, uh, it's called PCB, and it's a metabolite DDT, and they actually um, tested mothers, and they found that um, children whose mothers had lived near this harbor uh, when they were in grade school, showed more ADHD symptoms um, than those that were not exposed to the PCB, and they measured the PCB in the umbilical cord blood. Um, so very interesting study, but there's actually a lot more. There was even a recent um, report about children having problems if they lived near major highways where there was a lot of car exhaust, um, and then also some of the pesticides could be coming from foods that haven't been washed properly or not organic foods. That's a really good point, uh, Kim.
2: And, and before we get a break, you mentioned metabolites. So um, some people listening might not understand what things like metabolites and biomarkers are and how you can tell that, uh, you know, a group of children who have ADHD have more of some sort of evidence of something when
4: you test them. Right. So, um, well, the metabolite is a, a byproduct of the the. Pesticide, when it's broken down, it, it breaks down to another form, and so the metabolite is a byproduct, should we say, of the uh, pesticide. So okay. they can measure that in the blood or the urine.
2: Okay. So in other words, if I eat, um, if I eat some grapes and they have pesticides on them, I ingest them. Then my body's going to go through some processes to break down whatever was in or on these grapes, and that's going to show up in objective laboratory testing.
4: Right, and then in the the long term, what that says is that shows up, and those pesticides can alter neurotransmitters that Dr. Usman was talking about earlier, one of them being called dopamine, and um, dopamine then will affect the child or the person who has ADD or ADHD um, behavior by having an altered dopamine level. So that's, Eureka. Yeah, okay.
2: So
4: there that's
2: it is. A really elegant explanation. I think we've brought it all together for this first segment. We're going to take a break here at the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Thank you to our sponsor, OxyHealth. We'll be right back with Kim Gould and Dr. Anju Usman.
0: Listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. The Mayan calendar tells us that we will be entering into a 260 day opportunity for us to engage in conscious co creation with Great Spirit. How will we prepare ourselves for this exciting and unprecedented time in Earth's history?
1: whenever you need a soothing voice to calm and advise you. That's Dr. Carol's Couch every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time here on America's Voice, voiceamerica.com.
0: Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness.
1: Welcome back to Autism One, a conversation of hope with Terry Aranga. If you have a question or comment, call us toll free at 866-472-5792. Now back to the program. Here's Terry.
2: We're back with Kim Gold, the pharmacist in charge at Pure Compounding Pharmacy and Dr. Anju Usman, who is the medical director of True Health Medical Center. Both in Naperville, Illinois, we're talking about current trends in ADHD and ADD interventions and this would be a good time for websites to find these wonderful ladies. And uh, Kim, what is the website for Pure
4: Compounding Pharmacy? Purecompounding.com or purecompoundingpharmacy.com.
2: Okay, so purecompoundingpharmacy.com. And Dr. Usman? Um, it's truehealthmedical.com. Okay, truehealthmedical.com. And, you know, going into the break and, you know, thanking our sponsor, OxyHealth, I I was just recalling that HBOT, or hyperbaric oxygen therapy, helps with where the blood goes, and I think that you said something in the first segment about where the blood goes being involved in in all of this. Dr. Usman, am I on the right track here? I mean, I, I definitely think
3: you are. There hasn't been a lot of studies on ADD and hyperbaric oxygen yet, but I mean, if one of the theories is lack of blood flow to the frontal lobes, um, hyperbaric oxygen might be, uh, you know, a, a possibility for, um, those types of patients.
2: Okay. So we've talked about things like pesticides and additives. Those, to me, sound like gene environment interactions. Um, are there any that we missed?
4: Well, there are, um, There is research, current research, that shows that there are some genes that have been identified that would um, make people more susceptible to reacting to fillers or additives, food additives, um, uh, different types of dyes. They may be more sensitive than other people.
2: And, you know, Kim, this kind of reminds me of your comment in the first segment. Um, We, Dr. Usman and I were talking about how the nurse's office was a desolate place when we were kids, you know, not much yes. activity going on there, and uh, kids not being sent to the nurse's office for medications and such. And then things seem to change uh, down the road, um, you know, a generation or so. And, does, you know, could that be because the environment has gotten gunkier, things that kids are subjected to have gotten, you know, gunkier or more profuse? yeah making genes express themselves or something,
4: yes, and you know what we're seeing all over the place is a rise in immune disorders period, you know not just this type of thing, so there's definitely um some genetic prevalence happening that um predispose people to different diseases, and basically you're you may have this genetic factor and then some environmental insult uh it could be diet it could be pesticides, it could be car exhaust way something goes on in their life, then that changes the way their body works and the way their body responds to things and then causes, you know, a different disease. So, I mean, we're seeing even in pharmacy itself, not just increase in ADD, ADHD, but a lot of uh, rheumatoid arthritis, a lot of um, inflammatory diseases, and it all seems to be immune-related. So there is definitely something going on that, you know, didn't exist 20, 30, 40 years ago.
2: Is what you're describing autoimmune?
4: Autoimmune, yes.
2: Okay. Um, and Dr. Isman mentioned some studies in the first portion of the program. Did Are there any others that you'd like to mention, Kim?
4: As far as uh, genetics go or as a- Anything far as, at all. <laughs> uh, well, there are a lot of new studies out there now that are um, substantiating over-the-counter treatments for AD and ADHD. Um, I think we, a lot of these things are things that we've used for a long time, but it's nice to know that now there's some really solid studies behind them. Um, so that, that's, that's probably one of the new things that we're seeing as far as treatment of ADD, ADHD, the substantiation okay. of things we've been doing.
2: Okay, and what other kinds of interventions are there, for example, studies in prominent journals suggesting non-prescription treatments for ADHD?
4: Yes, there's been a lot of good studies lately about the omegas, um, zinc, magnesium, and um, and also magnesium, or maybe I mentioned magnesium, but yeah, there's been a lot of really good studies substantiating those over counter okay, so treatments.
2: Let's talk about um, you mentioned omegas. So, mm-hmm. have researchers actually found fatty acid deficiencies in hyperactive children?
4: Yes, you know, fatty acids is something that your body doesn't produce, so you have to um, eat food and supplement to in order to have decent levels of that. So um, when they they've done studies, and what they've done is cause a deficiency of omegas in rats. And when they've caused that deficiency, they found out that there was a decrease in dopamine. And dopamine is one of the neurotransmitters we've talked about, and what it does is it improves attention. So by increasing omegas and, um, you know, if you can't get through the diet, but but by doing supplements, you can um, actually help with attention in children that tend to have uh, hyperactivity.
2: Okay, very good. And what about zinc? Do ADHD patients have low zinc levels?
4: What, is yes. it, what does it do anyway? Yes, and I think uh, Dr. Eastman's going to answer that one.
2: Um,
4: yeah, there, do ADHD kids have
3: low zinc? There's a couple of studies. They're not big studies showing low zinc levels in kids with hyperactivity, impulsivity, and impaired social skills. But I just wanted to interject um, um I worked at a clinic called uh, the Pfeiffer Treatment Center, and we did a little study on 500 children in the autism spectrum. And we looked at zinc levels in those kids. And as I mentioned, 40 to 80 percent of them have issues with hyperactivity and attention. And we found that 99 percent of those 500 children had an um, abnormal copper-zinc ratio. That means they had too much copper and not enough zinc. Wow! And so that's yeah, 99 percent of them. So, again, in the ASD population, we see low zinc. Um, there's a couple of studies in the ADD population with low zinc, and zinc is really important for so many functions. Over 150 um, metabolic functions in the body, um, including issues such as immune issues, proper GI digestion of proteins, neurodevelopment, Um Zinc is important in the hippocampus for memory and attention and speech. It's important for melatonin production. It's important for neurotransmitter production and breakdown. Wow. It's one of my most favorite, favorite supplements um, that we use for kids with ADD.
2: Okay. What, may I ask, what derails zinc? What What derails zinc? Well... The question is, why are we all so low
3: in zinc? Why are these kids so low in zinc? And there's, again, there's some theories about our soil being zinc depleted. Mm. Uh, The food that we get isn't as fresh as it used to be, so Mm -hmm. the nutrients in our food aren't as bioavailable as they used to be. Stress causes zinc depletion, and a lot of us are under a tremendous amount of stress Many of our children are born into stressful situations and stressful births, and then um, they're ill, so illnesses can deplete zinc. Um, Exposure to heavy metals can displace zinc, and oxidative stress can affect zinc levels, and low glutathione that we see in kids with autism can also affect zinc levels
2: hmm very good. Okay, so part of what you're saying is like the environmental gunk has gone up and the minerals that are available in the environment naturally have gone down. Um, correct, correct. And again, you know,
3: nobody's actually proven this one-to-one, but I think in time we will see these types of things, these types of things, and these types of studies evolve as we're looking at the environment. And Kim mentioned a couple of great studies. The study on pesticides was in pediatrics and pediatrics is kind of the guru journal for children and when a study shows up in pediatrics you, you look at it and this was on pesticides and ADD so for those of you listening that's a great study to look at and the other really big study that people um, should look at is a study in Lancet another very reputable journal on the elimination diet and Um, Children with ADD put on an elimination diet and two-thirds of them improved their ADD on an elimination diet. So what we're trying to show is that, you know, there are drugs out there. We're not sure what we're treating with these drugs, but there are these other options that potentially are safer and more practical to use um, and have been shown to be potentially effective and at least not harmful.
2: Yeah, I mean... Zinc is natural. If you were getting it from a rutabaga, nobody would question it, but if you're getting it off of a store shelf, a bunch of people want to regulate it. So my two cents there. What's pycnogenol, and why do people think that that theoretically can help? Pycnogenol is a fancy word for
3: pine bark extract and they have done some studies on pycnogenol as well and found that it increased that cerebral blood flow that we were talking about. Mm -hmm. So it helps increase flow to that frontal area of the brain that helps with the functioning and the attention. So some kids, when given pycnogenol, it helps them with their ADD symptoms. It is also an antioxidant. And you and I know that oxidative stress plays a big role in chronic disorders of all kinds. Any kind of a chronic disorder, probably underlying that chronic disorder is oxidative stress and inflammation.
2: What's oxidative stress?
3: Oxidative stress, again, is a fancy word for aging. The process of um, stealing electrons from a compound and making that compound a little erotic um, that can cause um, damage to cells and DNA. The fancy word is free radicals. So when we eat foods that are oxidized and not high in antioxidants, we cause damage to cell membranes, our DNA, and that in turn leads to inflammation and faster aging.
2: Mm -hmm. Okay, very good. When we come back here at the Voice America Health and Wellness uh, channel, we're going to talk about magnesium with Kim Gould and Dr. Andrew Usman, and their websites, again, are truehealthmedical.com and purecompoundingpharmacy.com. Thank you to our sponsor, OxyHealth. We'll be right back.
0: opinions options answers voice america health and wellness to perform at your maximum potential you need to have all aspects of your life working properly on mind brain and body doctor michael john Kell will bring you honest open discussions concerning your physical mental and financial health if you're ready to find purpose and meaning in your life tune in to mind brain and body every friday at 8 a.m pacific mind brain and body on voice america health and wellness radio dedicated to your health wealth wisdom and purpose every weekend take some time out of your schedule for new reflections featuring dr adam rubinstein it's a show about all things aesthetic from skin care to plastic surgery, health and beauty, you'll learn about the aesthetic products and procedures to embrace or avoid. Each show will feature live, virtual, interactive consultations that you'll be able to follow along with and featured guests from the world of beauty and aesthetics. Listen Saturdays at noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific, for new reflections with Dr. Adam Rubenstein on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Tuesday mornings at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on 7th Wave Network. Opinions, options, answers. Voice America Health and Wellness.
1: Welcome back to Autism One, a conversation of hope with Terry Aranga. If you have a question or comment, call us toll free at 866-472-5792. Now back to the program. Here's Terry
2: We're back with Kim Gould of Pure Compounding Pharmacy and Dr. Andrew Usman, Medical Director of True Health Medical Center in Naperville, Illinois, both of them. And we are talking about interventions for ADD and ADHD. Let's talk about magnesium. That is a pretty important nutrient all around. I think everyone would agree. Are children with ADHD deficient in this?
4: Yes, they are deficient in uh, magnesium, and you're right, it is important for everybody. Um, there's studies out there that show that magnesium is so important for improved sleep, decreased hyperactivity and distractibility, and the outcome of improved school performance. So um, magnesium is very important. It may uh, regulate your nervous and muscular excitability, and um, when you have low levels of magnesium, it seems like you have decreased blood flow, reduced energy, and the nerve cells don't communicate as well as when you have good levels of magnesium.
2: Yeah, I've actually heard, and, you know, you don't have to comment on this if you don't want to, but I've actually heard that if someone is, you know, constipated, can't move their bowels, magnesium and vitamin C uh, yeah. could be
4: helpful. <laughs> yes, magnesium, that could be a negative side effect also if you really don't want that. But, yes, magnesium um, can cause some... Uh, diarrhea side effects or uh, does help with constipation.
2: It relaxes. It has some
4: cramping too so it's all dose related.
2: Yeah. Um, so we've talked about various nutrients. Uh, are there any uh, adverse effects, Kim, that you've mentioned. We've mentioned how magnesium can be helpful if you're constipated, but it's, you know, dose dependent that you don't want to overdo it and end up with cramping and diarrhea. But, uh, do, are there any other
4: adverse effects of any of these nutrients? Well, sometimes the omegas can cause some indigestion or burping. You know, it's fish oils, um, possibly heartburn. Um, high doses of any of these things can cause some problems. High doses of omegas can uh, increase the risk of bleeding. So people that are on uh, medications that are related to bleeding um, should watch the dose on their omega. Also, really high dose of omegas can cause some diarrhea also. Um, zinc, if not taken with food for some people, can cause upset stomach or nausea. Um, so it's best taken with food, and um, really any of the over-the-counter products should be, um, you know, mentioned to the pharmacist if you're taking a prescription drug. Also, just to check for drug interactions, um, sometimes antibiotics will interact with uh, zinc, so or magnesium also. So it's always good to mention um, and, and check that out with your pharmacist what in, what interactions could happen.
2: And I think they have you stop taking Omegas before you go in for surgery.
4: Right, yes, yeah, because of the blood thinning and increased risk of uh, bleeding.
2: Yeah, so as always, with any um, significant intervention or uh, changing a regimen, it's uh, best to check with your the treating physician who regularly um, sees and monitors your child's individual unique uh, health situation. So let's talk about prescription
4: ADHD drugs and how they work. Okay, well, most prescription ADHD drugs um, change the neurotransmitters. So they'll increase norepinephrine and, ne- or nepinephrine and uh, dopamine, and they're um, called stimulants. Um, so there are some other non-stimulant drugs that are on the market that work a little bit differently, but you don't see those as much as the stimulant drugs. Okay. So I think
2: uh, that we've illustrated why it might be a good idea to give uh, nutritional supplements, uh, supplements to try. I want to get back to something that Dr. Usman said before about zinc and copper ratios. And you know Dr. Usman, I can't help but think maybe copper is uh, antagonizes zinc or um,
3: Your thinking is absolutely correct. They do actually work against one another in the body and they kind of vie for similar places. So when there is a zinc deficiency, there tends to be a copper excess.
2: And are there any things that parents should watch out for insofar as copper is concerned, environmental factors, supplementation, anything?
3: Yeah. Well, a couple of things. Um, A lot of our water is um, brought to our home through copper pipes, so we might get some um, excess copper that way. Many pools are, um, 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 they use an algicide to keep pools clean that is copper-based. So many of our kids get an excess copper load from swimming. Certain foods are high in copper, such as shellfish, soybeans, and nuts, as well as shellfish. So those are some other sources of copper. And the big one for a lot of women is chocolate. Oh, uh, uh Yeah. Oh, no. So, uh, yeah. And, you know, women tend to crave that chocolate. And uh, many of those women tend to be zinc deficient. Just, you know, that's just in, from my experience. There's no study on that one.
2: Okay. So, you know, maybe if I go check out some zinc I can just continue with the chocolate there oh. you go and then <laughs> but i talk have... to your doctor first correct <laughs> what to find out what my you know proper dose of chocolate is is that what you mean to find out uh, what your proper dose of zinc is oh, oh, oh okay well Kim you had an interesting comment during the break about zinc and Ritalin
4: Right. The studies show that um, zinc given with Ritalin actually helps Ritalin or helps uh, decrease the symptoms that you're giving the Ritalin for. And it's a well-established study that adding zinc to children that are currently taking Ritalin will come out with better results. Okay.
2: And then, um, we so we have illustrated why it's a good idea to give nutritional supplements a try. Mm -hmm. Um, So what are the standards that, people should be aiming for in nutritional supplements?
4: Well, I think that you need to find a little bit about the company that you're buying from or at least uh, buy from a pharmacy that sells pharmaceutical grade supplements uh, so that the ingredients meet standards and testing, and you want to make sure that the company tests for impurities like pesticides, bacteria, mold, yeast, different types of allergens. So you really want to um, make sure that you're getting quality supplements. Um, and we also like to buy from companies that give a little bit back to society and back to the earth. So we, you know, we look for those things. We kind of keep a notebook about which companies we buy from and what's good about them. Very nice. And if folks do ever get
2: compounded prescriptions in general, what are some things to look for insofar as ingredients and quality control in a compounding pharmacy?
4: Well, I think it's really important to know your pharmacist. It's important that they understand what's going on um, in your life and what's going on with somebody who has a diagnosis of autism, ADD or ADHD, that they realize that there's special diets and that there's additives and allergens Um, that affect people with those diagnoses. And so they really need to not just say, gee, I can count upon your prescription, but not put any thought behind it. The pharmacists need to know the sources that every single thing they buy come from. So, for example, vitamin C, we could buy vitamin C that comes from corn, from beet, from cassava root. And obviously we don't want the one from corn, but a lot of people just order vitamin C and not really find out the source. So you want to make sure that your pharmacist is knowledgeable and, and knows exactly what things affect people with ADD, ADHD, and autism. Um, if they're making sterile products, you want to make sure that they have some standards that they meet, um, quality control issues. So questions you might ask would be, um, are you following... Uh, 797, which is a set of rules for um, sterile compounding. You might ask, do they do testing, independent testing? We have companies that come in and test our uh, equipment on a regular basis to make sure that everything is correct. Um, We also send all of our products out for testing for sterility and um, for how long it's viable for, so how long the product is good for, so we know what kind of expiration to put on it. Um, And so I think it's important to ask those things. It's important to ask the pharmacy where the ingredients come from um, as far as, um, you know, what companies. Um, We also find it important to look at the bases. A lot of pharmacies will order manufactured bases um, to make their products from, and a lot of those manufactured bases have soy ingredients or petroleum products in it, and we like to avoid those things. So. Um, so just another question to ask, you know, does this base, and, and it's funny, but you, you kind of have to dig a little bit and ask a lot of questions. Um, we really love our customers because they make us think. <laughs> so make your pharmacists think. Okay. Well,
2: Dr. Usman and Kim, do you have any take home messages that you'd like to leave listeners with?
3: Yeah, I do, Terry. I think that many parents are confused When they find their child acting hyper or having a lack of attention, they're not sure how to handle it. The school teacher might tell them they need to put their kid on medication or a drug because their kid isn't sitting still in the class or not staying in their chair during assignments. And the parents go to their doctors, and the doctors aren't really educated on how to handle these types of issues except to put them on drugs. So I think there is a void. There's kind of a black hole right now in these treatments, and the integrative approach, the um, nutraceutical approach, is starting to be more widely known, like, for instance, the omega-3s, but I still think that parents are going to have to seek out healthcare practitioners that have educated themselves in these types of issues. And listening to shows like yours is, is, is very, very helpful.
2: Well, thank you, so Dr. Ustman. Thank you very much. And, yeah, in, in general, it's always good to respect the patient by finding out the underlying legitimate physiological issues that are going on in that individual. Yeah. So um, thank you so much for the work that you do. I know that you're uh, beloved and admired by many and uh, so, thank you so much, Dr. Usman, for being here today. And Kim, thank you as well. Um, you're doing a wonderful job at Pure Compounding Pharmacy, and I'm so happy that people know about that resource. That's PureCompoundingPharmacy.com, and True Health Medical Center is TrueHealthMedical.com. So, thank you, Dr. Usman, and Kim.
4: Oh, you're welcome. Thank you you're for welcome, having us. Mary.
2: So we appreciate your sharing time out of your busy schedules to, to care and to update us on these ADD and ADHD interventions. And we have some exciting news. And this is right around Naperville, Illinois, where True Health Medical Center and Pure Compounding Pharmacy are. The registration is open for the Autism One Generation Rescue 2012 conference, which is May 23rd through May 27th, 2012. 2000- 12, over 100 speakers, over 20 tracks, five days, three keynotes, five featured speakers, so please visit www.autism1.org. My guest next week is pediatrician Janet Leviton. Thank you to this program's sponsor, OxyHealth, and to our listeners, thank you for tuning in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel.